G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. Yeah, that, that's one of the huge advantages of the DC market. That's that's again why I keep you know when I started we you know one of my business partners they live in Florida and, and we were looking at development down there just because I like to be down there too. But it's just that more that cycle that area is just so up and down with development that you start a project today based on today's numbers. Two years now, two years later, it could be like double or it could be half. Mm -hmm. DC is a very, very you know one of probably the most stable markets in the country, if not the world, to be honest. Uh, even during the 08 crisis, which I lived through, uh, believe it or not, DC proper was only down about four percent. Even the suburbs of DC, where I actually had my home, we were down about thirty percent. Areas of Florida were down ninety percent. So that means a house that was 300,000 was worth 30,000. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons I like it. Uh, we definitely have our micro fluctuations here, like every three to six months. And also based on the political calendar and defense spending, you'll start seeing markets go up or down a little bit here. But in general, I think there's, you know, again, I, I hate to say that there's no market risk because there's always market risk as a developer, but it's relatively stable here in DC. Uh, even during COVID, we saw things go up. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show.
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sunil Saxena. He's a lifetime long entrepreneur. He started six successful businesses, mostly focused on real estate and real estate development. And he's been active in the DC real estate market since moving there in 2001. Now he's been involved in acquisitions, construction, development, sales, and has completed over a hundred projects, all from small rehabs to large multi-family development projects. Now you want to know that Sunil is actually a former doctor and he's a published author and speaker. And he spent eight years in the medical field, and he retired from medicine in 2009, focusing all on now is ground-up construction. He grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and has four wonderful children, and his hobbies include tennis, golf, and comedy. But I'm really excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and his knowledge with us. But enough of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Sunil. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Uh, doing very, very well, Reed. Thank you for having me. Excited to uh, share share some time with you and talk to your listeners here. Awesome, mate. Well, look, tell, I, I already, I've already told people where you, where you dial in from. You're in DC, right? But 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 let's let's start the show because I ask every single person who comes on the show to rewind the clock and tell me how they made, they made their first ever dollar as a kid. Uh-huh. Well, I have a, an unusual journey to say the least. I think people, whenever I tell them that I've, uh, I started in medicine, now I do real estate development. I also do comedy. They're just, their heads start spinning and they wonder what I'm all about. So uh, I really made, believe it or not, my first doctor, first dollar as a doctor. I started in medicine really young. I was 17 when I got into a, a six-year medical program right out of high school. So I did that and uh, graduated medical school when I was 23 and then uh, went to did a one year residency, didn't like that field at all. So but that was really my first dollar was it during, you know, getting paid as, paid as a resident, actually. So uh, maybe a little more, a little more unusual than the, the average folks out there. Or yeah, I, I want to hear more about your comedy career. But um, tell me a little bit more about you, you, your, your upbringing with money. You know, uh, you're obviously a clearly a smart person because graduating and going straight from high school into a, a six-year program and being done by the time you're 23 or 20, 20, 21, 23, it's very, very young. So how was your relationship with money growing up? You know, I think we all have different relationships with money, as you're, I think you're getting to here. Uh, my mom was a, was a physician. Uh, my dad's an architect. Uh, so I grew up in actually a very small town in, in Southern Ohio. So kind of a fish out of water. You know, you're also sounds like a transplant from another country. You know, when you kind of grow up here, you, you don't really know. You, you, have, you don't have your parents to tell you, like, this is how things are done. They, they're also they don't know as well. So, um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up, grow up poor at all. But I think the fact that my parents were not certainly not rich, but well off. And we live in a small town where the cost of living is, you know, dirt cheap. I never really kind of understood the importance of money, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, I just was kind of always there. And then I didn't take it as seriously. And I think some of my initial, uh, when I got into business, I, you know, I had failures as we all do. And that was because I didn't really understand the value of money. So, you know, these days I think that money is important, but it's certainly not the end goal of any entrepreneur. It shouldn't be. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I grew up. If that's what, if, you know, if that's what you're asking. You know, it's, it's always interesting to hear folks story, usually how they go pursue real estate, pursue entrepreneurship is really from a, well, half the people who come on the show, more than half, probably 90% of the people who come on the show, pursue the life of real estate, you know, financial freedom because they come from a place of hardship, right? It sounds like you weren't in that in that space, which is completely fine, but it's also interesting to to, to, to hear people who, who do come from 
maybe uh, an immigrant type of family, you're growing up in, in a small rural town in, in Ohio, um, I, I could only imagine, you know, looking like a, yeah, sore, a sore thumb, right. uh, sick and like <laughs> sore thumb. So, but, but tell me, what, what was, was there a push for mum and dad to, to get into medicine and, and be, you know, high achiever? Because it clearly sounds like you, at 17 years of age, you, you came out guns blazing. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because, I don't necessarily recommend the six-year program for anybody because, you know, you kind of get locked in right out of high school. Uh, I really, you know, the traditional medical model is you go to college for four years, then you do four years of medical school. So it's an eight-year model. And a lot of people take time off somewhere in between and do other things. I don't know if it was really pressure. It was just kind of, you know, from an Indian background, which, you know, I don't know if you figured that out already or not. (laughs) (laughs) Sunil didn't give it away at all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You'd be surprised at how many people are like, what? What is that? I'm like, you don't know, really? So, yeah, clearly medicine is like like our thing. Right. I mean, you know, every time I go to a hospital myself, there seems to be just all the doctors are Indian. So it was just kind of like my my parents really thought that was the best way to go from their, you know, their upbringing back in India. And I got into this program and, you know, I was getting, everyone was like validating me. They're like, oh, congratulations. You got in this program. You're going to be a doctor. Oh my God. So I was like, wow, this is great. So I, I don't think I knew back then at all. Clearly that wasn't my you know reason for being on this earth, but, but it was just something I kind of got into. I don't really regret it. I don't think they pushed me into it. Uh, but really I did things in reverse because most people, when, you know, they graduated 23, 22, 23 from college. And then they maybe kind of find themselves and, you know, whatever, work different jobs. I graduated from medical school at 23. Then I took four years off and uh, kind of just tried to find myself and realize I was more of an entrepreneur. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a different um, kind of path for sure. Talk to me about those four years off, because it sounds like it's it's, it's quite life changing. I, I, I would say, like, what, what did you do in four years to go and discover yourself? Like I said, I graduated at 23. I did one year of orthopedic surgery, actually, which is a really, really sought after profession. You know, uh, it's one of the top you know, types of medical specialties. But I was a I was burnt out, I think, looking back on it. And of course, hindsight's 100, you know, 2020, right? You look back like, oh, that's exactly what happened when I was experiencing. And I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing all this. But I was definitely burnt out after six years of just nonstop, you know, medical and college and everything, because what that program does is it takes college and condenses into two years. So it's really intense. And then the medical school part is just medical school Uh, and then going right into a surgical specialty, which is also very intense. I was just I was I was done and I just quit and I didn't really like it also. So in those four years, uh, that's when I started my acting and comedy. Um, I I, I lived in New York for a year. I. I think I went to New, New Jersey area, lived with my uncle for, I don't, I don't remember exactly how long that four years. And then um, really kind of realized that I kind of have this entrepreneurial um, itch and bug. And that's kind of what I'm about. I, I've got, I'm really good at t- like taking ideas and figuring out maybe how to make money or setting a strategy. But yeah, I mean, that's really what I did. And, uh, you know, I actually ended up going back to residency after that because I still wanted to kind of finish my medical training. Uh, so from four years off, then three years of residency, and that put me here in D.C. right afterwards in uh, 2001. Nice. And in that four years off comedy acting, what I mean, such a 180 degree shift from, <laughs> yeah. from medicine, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that you probably... I don't want to say rebellion is the right word, but you have that sense of discovering yourself, exploration, curiosity that, uh-huh. you know, you have something within you that you want to go and scratch that itch that, you know, because oh, just from an outside, you're just meeting, you, you know, like medicine, 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 and then you just right. like completely shift to acting and, and comedy. 
uh, and I've got great friends who, who are also from, from Indian backgrounds. I could only imagine mum and dad doing backflips. Uh, <laughs> they're still doing those flips. <laughs> I'm like 50 plus and they're still flipping. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but it's, it's interesting that everyone goes through a self, you know, a stage of, of self-awareness, uh, self-awakening. And, and I encourage anyone young, I've been so many young entrepreneurs. They're like, I want to get into, you know, multifamily. I want to do it. It's like, how old are you? It's like, I'm 22. It's like, go backpacking around the world for right. two <laughs> I, I'm like I'm, I'm with you, Reed. I mean, that's I definitely I I I'm definitely agree with you 100. Yeah, yeah. So, but but anyway, let's walk into to how you got involved in, in real estate and why the, the transition out of out of medicine and and and, and maybe to walk the listeners through what you built today. You know, during that four years, I kind of realized that I mean, I still love acting and comedy. I still try to do it. I haven't done it since you know pre-COVID. Now it's been a couple of years, but. Um, I just realized I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so I got to build businesses. I didn't really have a bent towards real estate. I just actually did some stuff in the restaurant business, uh, the restaurant world. I did, um, I had like a painting and remodeling company, which actually, I guess, does lead to construction. But I um, I, just, I was a chief medical officer for a medical device company for four years. Uh, I also, with my ex-wife, uh, started two very successful dental practices. So I wasn't like, oh, uh, real estate, real estate, real estate. Again, I'm, I keep going back to the entrepreneur word. That's kind of what I really think I'm at heart. But I just realized, realized that real estate is the best of all of those businesses. It really is. Uh, you can't beat the amount of money you can make and, and, the, and the financial freedom you can achieve. Uh, you can make millions of dollars being a dentist. You can't make a billion dollars being a dentist. You just can't. You know, as, as a painting and remodeling company, again, you can make a couple million, but you can't make a billion. Mm -hmm. So real estate really has a almost an unlimited ceiling if you want to, you know, that's why I look at it. Uh, so I really feel that, you know, I, I personally feel everybody, you know, all your listeners, you should be involved with real estate in some form or fashion uh, because it just has such income potential and, and, and wealth building potential. Uh, whether you're completely passive and you're just investing like so with someone like myself or you and, and you're doing, you have your day job or you are, you know, full-time active like you and me, or somewhere in the middle, you know, buy some rental properties, hang on to them. But the power of real estate is just, you just can't find that in any of our business, in my opinion. Uh, I know IT in those areas, you can make a lot of money, you can, you can go broke too. Uh, so I think real estate is, you know, has a, a lot of power to make money, but it also is, I don't know what the right word is, but it's a relatively stable, known way. You know, when you, when you, I'm sure when you buy a multifamily property, you kind of know what you're getting into, right? right. Uh, one of the examples I give is when I, I started, actually started some restaurants and, um, you know, when those didn't do well, that was one of my initial failures where I like, oh, wow, this is like not just playtime. You kind of lose everything because all the equipment in a restaurant is worth essentially nothing when it goes out of business versus even if I get into a real estate deal and it kind of goes quote unquote bad, it's like, maybe you lose 10%, you know, it's not like a, so I just, I think there's just, I mean, I could talk forever about this, but I think there's just so many advantages of real estate that it's, it's a no brainer that uh, that's the field that, you know, you, you know, that everyone should be in in some form or fashion. I just want to talk briefly about the realization of getting out of medicine. When, when, when was that aha moment? Like I had enough. <laughs> it was during that four years off really. I yep. mean, I kind of, you know, again, I, I have a very unusual life path. So I, you know, most people find themselves first and then go into something intense like medicine. I just kind of was put through this. So that that realization, that that period of, you know, everyone goes through figuring out themselves that was delayed till after. And that was part of it, too. I'll be honest. I mean, I don't know if there's any physicians listening, but one of the problems with switching out of medicine is your identity is a doctor. You're a doctor now. And when you go to a real estate conference, some people are like, but you're a realtor now. You're, you're a doctor that turned realtor. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not quite. No, no, <laughs> that's I've heard that so many times. So I think part of that 
finding myself, part of the difficulty was, you know, um, I'm already a doctor and now you're going and doing comedy and act. What, what, what's wrong with you? Uh, and not only my parents, of course, but, you know, any, anybody you meet. Uh, but I, I definitely knew in that four year period, this was not my, my end goal. Even when I went back to residency, I kind of did it just to finish my education. I knew the entire time I was not going to practice. Uh, and as soon as I finished residency, I got a job in medicine to pay the bills. But then I started, you know, various side businesses that eventually led me to, um, you know, leave medicine full time. That's, that's, that's incredible. Right? Now, you know, as we pivot to this sort of next chapter of your life, this sort of throwing spaghetti against the wall, you know, restaurants and dental practices and all and yeah. painting businesses. Yeah. What, what are some of the big lessons you took away? You mentioned just earlier that you have a restaurant and mm-hmm. you have a bunch of equipment and it goes bad. Well, it's worth, it's worthless, right? It's, it's, it's worth nothing because you're not, you're not producing any product out of it and people aren't coming through the door to pay you for that product. So right. maybe explain to the listeners some of those big lessons learned from these different array of companies that you've started over the years. Yeah, again, this is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation a lot because I love talking about this kind of stuff. So I wish someone would have told me this stuff back when I was you know, 18, 19, you know, early 20s. I think on a personal level, the very first thing that's so important is figuring out what I call your dharma. Uh, I'm actually working on my third book right now, and it's, it's called uh, uh, Dharma Wars. It's about this concept. It's a concept from like 3000 BC. So, the, so my people way, way back, you know, well, well before Christ and all this stuff. Uh, it's concept of um, kind of like why you were put on this earth. So it's not just like your passion, but it's, it's a mixture of kind of passion and um, uh, your talents and everything. So, you know, again, the, the example we give, you know, it's like, you know, the, the grass was put on this earth to grow. It, that's what it does. You know, cows were put on this earth to give milk. They, and the, the interesting thing is that like every living organism on this earth, except human beings, follows their dharma to a T. They, you know, a dog, you know, but it doesn't matter what you're doing. The dog's going to be a dog. He could be, you know, at the Super Bowl. He could be in front of 10,000 people. He doesn't care. He's a dog. Human beings, we think and we change our dharma. We're like, oh, my God, what will my parents think? What will people think? As soon as you put a microphone of somebody, they start acting differently. So I think you have to figure that out. What, what, who, you know, what, what, why were you put on this earth? So that's the first step. Figure that out. And again, you know, I'm not saying the restaurant business is good or bad, but, you know, I wasn't put on this earth to do that business. Uh, other people love it. And that's what they do. Jose Andres is a perfect example of a guy who's just crushed it and has done great things. So I think that's step one. If you're asking me from a business standpoint, then it's really, to me, it's again, it's like, like, like think like an investor, right? Like you're going to invest X amount of capital into any business, whether it's dentistry or, or um, restaurants or real estate, what is your return you're getting? Right. So even when I look, analyze real estate deals now, that's my very first number I'm looking at is what is my return on my investment? If it's above a certain threshold, I'll go further. OK, let's, this, this deal meets my criteria. If it's below that threshold, I'm just like, you know, I got I got kind of better things to do. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but that was uh, a lot of. No, <laughs> no, no. I think I can un- unpick that a little bit because I want to use your 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 example, your life story. You, you talk about d- Dharma, right? D-A-R-M-A. Uh, D-H, D-H-A-R-M, Dharma. Dot to dot dot. It's like karma, but dharma. <laughs> got it, got it. But but I think the you trying all the things and mm-hmm. people listening to this show is a form of going out and figuring out what that dharma is, right? It, it, and, and that's the beauty of your twenties. <laughs> that's right. why you have you have youth on your on your side. And and, and I encourage anyone. I, I backpacked across the world for two two and a half years after uni. I loved it. I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. You know the the simplicity of it, the meeting the people, but you really get to find out who you are as a person, right? And, and to your point of why you put on this earth. So mm-hmm. I think 
you know, using your examples as starting the restaurant business, starting the dental business, starting the, the, the contracting and painting business is part of figuring out who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and having your, your release of comedy and, and acting, it's mm-hmm. such a, you know, you're, you're like a, a one-man band. You're, you're, playing the, you're playing the trombone, you're doing the, you're doing the drums, and you're also singing as well, you know, you're a triple threat. So I just wanted to reiterate that for investors, for the people listening, because it is important to have these experiences in life. And, and, and I meet so many people who come across my, my, you know, my podcast or just come and ask me about questions. And they always, you know, they might, might be a little bit older in life and, and they always, you know, oh, I wish I got started sooner. I'm like, stop beating yourself up. That's, oh, it's, that was your re you, that was your journey. Own it. You know, like that's going to be part of who you are. If it took you a little bit longer, that's okay. There's still another 40 years of, of life worth living. Go out and start, yeah, right. start today. So, I just want to sort of bring it around to, to back to what you're saying in the Dharma because it is so important that not just to sell, no one has it figured out. We're all still figuring it out, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 we we like to think that we are, you know, have that North Star picked. Um, but I remember when I got involved in real estate, the whole thing was getting out of the day job, get it, working for myself. That was my North Star. I achieved that when I was 31 years of age. Right. Then I was like, What's my new North Star? Exactly. Right. Like, what's going, what's, what am I doing now? You know, like, I mean, I'm in the real estate. Let's, okay, what's next? And I think that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur, right? And 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 self-discovery and understanding yeah. who you are because you're constantly over the time. I know that I'll change my, in 10 years time when I'm 45, I'll probably think a little differently to um, now when I'm 35. And when right. I'm 55, it'll be even different. So right. being okay with that, I think, is also another pressure valve that we have to release. So do you want to talk about any of that? Because it sounds like there was a little hint of, pressure coming out when you're 17 I could I could pick up that you wanted to go and release that a little bit because and, and give yourself the permission to say I need to be curious in these other aspects of my life to figure out who I am and, and back to my dharma right right no I I, I want to read I mean basically you know, there's a number of th- very very important points you said in there as you were talking uh number one is yeah don't feel like you know if you really don't know what you want to do and you don't feel like you figured out your dharma like take your time because it's much better to spend a couple of years doing that even five years doing that than jump into something and then like i did you know i kind of got jumped into medicine so i, I highly would not recommend <laughs> going all the way through a medical career to realize you don't want to be a doctor uh try to figure that out you know way back then and you know really realize are you um you know really is this what you want to do I remember about two, again, before COVID, so I'm losing all my years, but like maybe three, four years ago, I gave a speech to um, like high school students. And I think when I talked about Dharma, it really lit up their eyes because one girl, I still remember her in the audience, she's like, she already decided she was going to medical school. And when I gave that thing, she's like, you know, why am I doing this? You know, and then at least got her wheels thinking. So I think that's a very important point you, you made. Don't put the pressure on yourself. The other important point is actually when people tell me that I don't, you know, I don't know what I want to do. I recommend travel. That's exactly what I recommend. I think that's one of the best yep. ways to uh, really find yourself uh, experiencing different cultures, different peoples, just getting out of this, you know, you know, even in the United States, I mean, we're pretty homogeneous here, but going to different states is even a different experience. But uh, I highly recommend going international. So uh, I love what you said that you did. You spent you said two years doing backpacking. That's probably when you figured yourself out and you're a much better person for it coming out of that instead of other people look at it as oh, it's a waste of time. And why are you doing all that stuff? Um, I have another fairly good friend here in D.C. where he he did the same thing after college. He spent a year and just traveled the world. He actually his daughter had just was doing that while I was talking to him last time I met him. So his uh, daughter is doing the same thing, just traveling the world for one year. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think, again, the bottom line is figure out your dharma, uh, whatever it takes to do that. If it takes you all of your 20s, if it takes you one year of your 20s, if it takes traveling, whatever it takes, uh, try different things. Uh, I kind of, I think, did it in a kind of expensive way, meaning I really dove into stuff instead of just sampling. I bought the ice cream store and then realized I didn't, I didn't want this store. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with, you know, everything you're saying is 100% spot on. So. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you'll automatically be notified about my new up and coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now back into the show. You know, I, I, I'm still living abroad. You know, I, I'm 36 years of age. Right. I haven't lived at home since I was 21. So, like, I'm still, I'm still backpacking. You know, <laughs> but, 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 Sunil, tell me what you're working on today. You know, you're in the development space. You're, you're working in DC. Give it, give us a little snapshot of, of the projects you're working on there. Because I happen to come from a structural engineering background. I know ground up construction really, really well. So would love to talk a bit of shop about that. Yeah, basically, um, I've, you know, come to the, I, I've done small, I started with small rehabs. That's kind of, you know, what really gave me the, the financial power to get out of medicine. Uh, but then I started, I started a new home building company, which I still have, Saxena Custom Homes. I don't, I'm not, I only, I've only got two homes going right now. Uh, but then I, you know, what I really realized is the money is in the, in the kind of larger multifamily projects. That's all we're doing right now. I have, um, I think it's for about 16 projects going right now. We have about 200 units in development total. Uh, we're just building the, 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 the business right now. Uh, we're in growth mode. We're, we're, we, we think six months ago had maybe two or three people on our team. Now we're at like 10 plus people. That's awesome. And I just, we're starting to look at other opportunities as well, like Airbnb and short-term rentals. I really like that space where we have a couple in Florida right now. And, um, we're, we're trying to get some in DC right now. Are, are you sort of sub 10? What are you, what are you, what are you type? What are you building? You, uh, uh, you know, infill lots, you're coming in and doing highest and best use. And, and we can, I can explain to listeners what all that is means, but what, what, what I, I can only, I'm, I'm imagining DC, Difficult to get things approved because yes. it's it's a major city like LA, like New York, like right. San Francisco. You've got historical, you know, conditions yeah. you've got to go through. So, so just describe the listeners. What's a typical project look like for you? Yeah, nothing, there's no, there's real, essentially no raw land left in DC. I mean, right. there, there, you can certainly find something, but essentially, let's call it no raw land. So you're always taking the existing structure and you're basically trying to maximize the um, square footage. Yeah. So for anybody who wants to get into development or is thinking about that, very first thing to understand is zoning. Get good at zoning. That's where you make your money. <laughs> and again, uh, when, when I start talking about zoning, people's eyes go like, oh my God. But it's really not that hard if you just go to whatever jurisdiction you want, you're, you're operating in and just literally go and click on their different zoning. And just, again, I'm not saying becoming an expert in it, but understanding you know, why, you know, how the zoning works and what is different between a commercial and a residential and what are the setbacks and all these kind of things. Uh, I have an example of a project. We're actually just about to finish it out. It's two homes that we're building. Actually, the neighbor was going to buy it. He went to like his architect. Ark said, nope, you can't do this. Uh, we went to our architect and said, no, you can't do this. And our real estate agent, who was very smart, who I've been working with for over 10 years, read the zoning code. <laughs> and she realized the problem was a frontage. You didn't have enough frontage to subdivide the lot. But she said that she she read in the code that the frontage can be measured 15 feet back and it's a pie shaped lot. So the, the frontage goes up as you go back. 
Mm-hmm. So it did work when you measured it 15 feet back. And we back, went back to our architect and we said, well, are you sure about this? He's like, you know, actually you guys are right. <laughs> so that project has, you know, been a year. It's been a little bit of a stressful project for other reasons. But again, just knowing zoning is what got us that project, for example. And so again, no zoning. And really what we're doing is basically understanding, you know, in this building, I can, you know, go up, I can go back, I can go down. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. And then we just run numbers. And if the deal works, we, we build it. If it doesn't, we don't. So, so what, are you, what are you seeing today in terms of your, your numbers? Because everyone's talking about supply chain and the cost of construction going up. So what are you seeing in the DC area, price per square foot? And I, that, that's a, it's a loaded question because I know based on your finishes can depend on how big your price per square foot is on, on, on the build side. Uh, yeah, so we, um, I mean, it's definitely changed in the last two years. That's been probably one of the, the biggest challenges we've had during COVID is that uh, prices are just going way up. Plus, you can't even get stuff. I mean, windows right now, last I heard, were like six months out. Uh, I can't even get a window here for six months. It's crazy. Before it was like two weeks, you'd have windows. Mm. So uh, we're building, I mean, again, like you said, it's really finishes area. What are you doing? Uh, the density makes a difference between in price per square foot. If I have huge big bedrooms, then my price per square foot goes down. If I have like tiny units with like a lot of kitchens and baths, those are, of course are more expensive to build. But we're anywhere between like, you know, 150 to maybe 250 a square foot build. Mm-hmm. Um, again, single fan, uh, single story, or that's multiple stories. Uh, DC, the the sweet spot in DC is like um, it's 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 five stories, but four stories above grade. Yep, and then a basement. That's the sweet spot because anytime you go above that, you have to change your construction type, and then it goes. But it gets just much more com- like concrete and all that gets more complicated. Yep. and we can do usually we can do those with no elevators, which can add costs, and we can do it all stick built. Yep, and that's and as a st- for everyone listening. Structural mm-hmm. engineer, you, maxim- you maximize your stick build at five five stories. So you'll see a lot of podium, <laughs> podium projects where they build a parking garage and they go five, sometimes six if you can squeeze it. Um, but yeah, stick build is, is quite limited. Uh, right. that, that, that's incredible. So, so, And talk to me about why you've chosen to just be the master of DC and not you know, go into more affordable areas, which you know you kind of don't live too far away from. Well, um, I, I always keep looking at other areas, but I keep coming back to D.C. as much as I love and hate it. I've got a love-hate relationship with D.C. <laughs> if you look at even like, you know, like Boston Properties, which I think is one of the largest in the world developers, if not in the U.S., they're only in five markets. So that's really my uh, more my my um, my, my theory or, or my, my the way I run my business is I feel like being a specialist. I mean, there's so much to do in D.C. I, I could make a billion dollars right here in D.C. So. Uh, it's just, I feel like my leverage, like, like, what do I bring to the table is I'm a DC expert. I pretty much know like every stupid little nuance and, you know, I I know people I can call, you know, I just kind of know how to get stuff done in DC. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's always the, the, the best or the fun, you know, it's a lot of regulation, um, I always say that, you know, um, you know, like Florida, what, what is their major export is sunshine, maybe LA is Hollywood movies, DC, we're government, we export government, we're just good at like government and laws and regulations. And that's what just everything here is about that. So um, I guess that's, that's just what I feel like is my advantage is I just know DC and, and other people literally, they'll, 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 they'll just shut their eyes when you hear DC. Uh, we've even got contractors who I've worked with in Virginia. I'm in, I live in Northern Virginia, which is about just 15 minutes from DC, but um, they just, they refuse to even come to DC. Like, nope, I don't work in DC. So you've got a lot, I mean, it gives me an advantage because I, I know that area so that there's less competition and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I've just, yeah, I found it a good niche. It works really well. Um, I think we've got a huge amount of growth here that we can experience. Uh, so yeah, I don't, haven't found a reason to leave DC yet. 
it's awesome. And, and how are you? I should retract this. That to a lot of people who, who listen to this show are all about buying existing large multifamily. That's what I do across multiple country and multiple states, multiple MSAs to build that cash flow. So in the development space. I know because I, I spent five years as a developer working for guys here in LA and you know, 10 years before that as a structural engineer. Development is very labor intensive in terms of your staffing, right? It's not, I can run a 5,000 unit portfolio with three or four people. You know, you couldn't run uh, right. four projects with three or four people. You need probably, a pro, depending on the, you know, the complexity of a project, you might have a person per, per project or a project manager per, per project. So, and it's very, you know, it, it, long long entitlement process, long you know, construction risk. So how are you making a profitable business out of that when it's so lumpy in terms of it, or, or of the payday um, cash, flow, yeah. cash flow and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of goes back to the basic business, you know, uh, things. I mean, I think anybody who wants to do this, you know, as a business, I mean, again, if, if someone's investing with you or investing with me and, you know, that's just you're a pure investor or if you're buying a few rental properties, you're not really a business person, I wouldn't say. I mean, you're just kind of doing it. But really, yeah, I mean, you got to understand cash flow. You have to understand human resources. I mean, building an A team can basically maybe the make or break them in a business. You yeah. know, I've done that in all the businesses <laughs> I've done that, you know, you really need those A players. Uh, so it's like basically, you know, creating a good culture, getting the right people on board, uh, making sure you have cash. Those, these are the jobs of a CEO. Uh, and yeah, that is, I mean, for sure, one of the most you know difficult parts about being a developer is the cash flow is very lumpy, as you said. But you know, we have construction draws for all our projects, so we get we do get paid during different phases of the project. But again, even that is not like we're getting every two weeks we're getting money. It's just you know, and that's when you get to construction, right? That's not even the entitlement stuff that you got to get through, which could take years potentially. Correct. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's definitely a challenge in this business for development. If, if you don't want to manage cash flow and that, that kind of scares you, then yeah, don't be a developer. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's very different than like, like a restaurant business where like literally every day the cash register is ringing and you, you know, your net proceeds by the end of the day or the, the next morning. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things that cash flow management is, is, is a, is a kind of a, an important skill that a CEO must have for any business, <laughs> whether it's uh, dental or, uh, you know, or whatever day-to-day type of business or a more, um, you know, like a, like a development type of business. 100%. So you mentioned earlier, you just brought in some more people. Where are you headed in 2022 and beyond? And what's the goal for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we what we ended up doing is, um, if I look, just look back the last few years, is we kind of, I think, kind of overgrew a little bit. We grew too fast. We didn't have the right people. So the last, I think, six to nine months, we really haven't even taken on a new project uh, before that, we were taking on almost like one new project a month. That was our schedule. So we were about 12 new projects a year. So I think we're probably by by second half of this year, probably by Q3, we'll start looking for new projects. Uh, I'm, I do a few. I have another company where I do some small projects on the side, but that's that's different. Uh, but the main business, um, I think we're still kind of building that team and uh, getting all those kinks worked out. So I think once we have that, we'll just kind of resume our one 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 project a month. Uh, then we'll eventually try to get to two projects a month. You know, just kind of keep keep ratcheting up. Uh, we do, you know, one of the things I, I mean, I think real wealth and real estate is built by holding real estate, not just doing what I do in terms of build, sell, build, sell. Probably, you know, kind of what you're doing. Uh, so we, we're also going to start develop like certain percentage of what we develop, we're going to hold for the long term. Uh, we just haven't quite gotten there yet, but again, probably by end of this year, we'll uh, we'll start doing more of that. That's incredible. And then we come through cycles, right? People talk about cycles all the time and, and you know, when's the best time to develop and when's the best time to buy and hold and all that sort of stuff. Are you 
agnostic to the market cycles because you're so deep in one market that you can make money in any market, in any cycle, I should say? Yeah, that, that's one of the huge advantages of the DC market. That's, that's again, why I keep, you know, when I started, we, you know, one of my business partners, they live in Florida and, and we were looking at development down there just because I like to be down there too. But it's just that more, that cycle, that area is just so up and down with development that you start a project today based on today's numbers, two years now, two years later, it could be like double or it could be half. Mm -hmm. DC is a very, very, you know, one of probably the most stable markets in the country, if not the world, to be honest. Uh, even during the 08 crisis, which I lived through, uh, believe it or not, DC proper was only down about 4%. Even the suburbs of DC, where I actually had my home, we were down about 30%. Areas of Florida were down 90%. So that means a house that was 300,000 was worth 30,000. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons I like it. Uh, we definitely have our micro fluctuations here, like every three to six months. And also based on the political calendar and defense spending, you'll start seeing markets go up or down a little bit here. But in general, I think there's, you know, again, I, I hate to say that there's no market risk because there's always market risk as a developer, but it's relatively stable here in DC. Uh, even during COVID, we saw things go up uh, like significantly. So, we, you know, a lot of cities, a lot of big cities like New York, where they're experiencing like kind of a down market during this last couple of years, we're actually, we're, we have an up market going on. We, we've, I think we went up so much that now we're starting to see a little bit of a plateau right now. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't feel, I don't, I don't really try to time the market or play the market. I don't think that, I don't think anybody can do that. And the more people tell you they can do that, the less they know really typically. Uh, so I think we just develop and, um, you know, sometimes we, we end up selling something in a super hot market. We make more than we thought. Uh, the last project we closed out, we were like three or 400,000 above pro forma because the market was just super hot when we went to sell. Uh, but we're pretty conservative in our pro formas. And if the market is like, like today, the market's a little, little, I call it cool in DC, but it's compared to the rest of the world, it's probably great, but we get spoiled here. If something doesn't sell in like 10 days, we're like, oh my God, what's wrong with the project, you know, or the, or the condo unit. So uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of being long-winded here, but I think the bottom line is that's one of the reasons I like DC is because it's a relatively stable market and it's always, there's always an undersupply of real estate in DC proper. Yeah, well, the reason why I was going with that question is, is it sounds like you, you believe we're at the new floor, you know, we, we, you know, the market's gone up so much, you don't think it's gonna come back down again in general? Like, do you have any uh, opinions on that nationwide? I, I, I've got opinions, but I try not to, I try to be not one of those guys who's like, you know, acting like I know what, because Obama's bottom we really don't know, right? Interest rate seems to be creeping up. We've got a lot of instability in the world. I think the, our good old Mr. Biden, who just took this office a couple, he's just probably got 10 minutes from here. He's probably hanging out doing something right now. Uh, I think he's got a lot of policies that aren't good that have really affected uh, real estate and business. Uh, but I think what you're going to see in the uh, midterm elections in the next presidential cycle is he's not going to be there. So I think it's going to revert back to some little bit better, more, more sane policies. So I think there's just so you just never know, right? That's the problem is you just don't know. Uh, I don't think we could have predicted this uh, kind of war in, 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 well, yeah, I think we could have actually predicted this war. To, people have been saying this for 10 years, but the timing of it. So there's so many world events that you just can't predict uh, that I think you just have to kind of find a business model that works, stick with it. Uh, be able to have a plan B if things really do get bad, uh, which we do always. And, um, you know, just, just kind of whatever. You can never never be 100%. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. Well, mate, look, I want to uh, thanks for, thank you for jumping on the show today. And then at the end of every show, we'd like to dive into the top five investing tips. Ready to get into it? Uh, let's do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> mate, question number one is, what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? 
I think developing a morning routine. Uh, if you haven't read Miracle Morning, do mer- read that book. I think it's great. Have some kind of morning routine that kind of gets you going and into the right state. Nice, nice. Question number two is, who'd be the most influential person in your career to date? Honestly, two people. Um, I think Tony Robbins, I think, has really helped me along the way, like significantly. I think I, I just, that guy is the Michael Jordan of, of whatever coaching or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and believe it or not, the very first book I read that kind of got me excited about real estate was Trump's book, uh, Art of the Deal. Uh, I got to think back what year I read that thing, but it was sometime in the early time ago. Yeah, yeah. So I know the the T word or the Trump word is not uh, very popular with a lot of circles, but all I can say is that I read his book at a fairly young age, and that kind of really got me excited about being an entrepreneur and being a real estate developer. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, question number three is: What's the most influential tool in your business? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a phone or a journal, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? I think like books, I'm a very, you know, I think books have changed my life and maybe it's not a tool, but I still actually did this week. I got it. I got, I really was into, I had a lot of extra time. So I'm doing, I've read three books this week already. Uh, I try to read like four a month is my goal. Uh, I recommend everybody read at least one uh, a month. Uh, I've, that's one of the reasons I wrote, wrote two books is because I want to like try to share my knowledge, at least help, you know, whoever I can help. So I think, um, you know, reading on a regular basis and educating yourself and improving then I'm able to take that knowledge and then help my business. So that's that's the best answer I can give you. <laughs> so being a consistent learner and uh, and constantly being a student uh, yeah. is really really important. So um, so awesome stuff. Question number four is in one sentence: What has been the biggest failure that you've learned in your career, and, and what you take away from that failure? I think um, I mean I've had a lot of failures, so I think that's one of, one of the things people think is people are successful don't fail. I think it's absolutely you know the whatever completely untrue. Uh, my very first business when I got into restaurants failed miserably. And that's where I learned a lot. So I think to me, just understanding that failure is a critical ingredient in success. You have to fail to be successful. So don't look at failure as failure, which has a negative connotation. Look at it as learning. Uh, you know, that that's why I think that's also changed my perspective that every time I fail, I don't, oh my God, I failed. I suck. I'll never do this kind of attitude. Just say, look, here's what I learned. Let's Make, not make that mistake again, and let's just move forward. Uh, so I think that's probably my, my biggest thing is just learning that failure isn't a bad word. Right. No, I completely agree that you know, having failure in your life is going to set you up for better success in the future because you get to learn from that that, that failure. Uh, last question, mate, is where can people reach you to continue the conversation that will be in your sphere? Where do they go? Yeah, go go to my uh, my main website, hyperfastdevelopment.com. That's our main website. And there's a contact us button. So if you are interested in learning more or want to get in touch with me or you want to invest with us, uh, just go to that website, hyperfastdevelopment.com. And uh, the contact us information is right there. Awesome. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on today's show. I want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show that I think really sums you up as a person. I, I, I think your again, curiosity always seems to be a word on this show. Like people are so curious about things that they want to go and discover. And I, I love what you talked about earlier when we talked about the Dharma and, and understanding why you've been put on this planet and just looking at your incredible history of all the things you've 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 you try to be curious about you know your acting your medicine your your comedy and then developing other businesses around restaurants and and, and just con- continually trying to unturn that rock to to really get to the the nuts and bolts of who you are and where you're going to be and ho- hopefully now you you're in a, you're in a space that you're really really quite um i guess what the word is uh you know you're yourself not self-soothing but you, you have a calm about yourself that you know right. you're on the right path in this 
in this career after coming through so many incredible careers that you've only learnt more from to help mm-hmm. you get to where you are today. So I think that's been uh, in- in- incredible. And, and I think also just your, your ability to keep very hyper-local in mm-hmm. the DC market to help you understand what is going to be uh, how you make money. And it's a great example of so many people listening to the show. They, they always go to the next shiny object. Where's the next hot market? Or where's the next hot state that's blowing up? You know, And knowing that you can always make money in your backyard, you just got to figure out how. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, did, did it leave anything out? No, no. I, I also definitely appreciate you having me on the show. It's enjoyable talking to you and uh, maybe we'll, we'll get to meet in person one day. <laughs> I hope so, my friend. I hope so. But look, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you. Take care. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Sunil. If you do want to check him out, go over to hyperfastdevelopment.com. Uh, he has a plethora of information over there. Get, get your hands on some of these books uh, and just be in his sphere because he's clearly a guy that you've got a lot, a lot to learn from with his life experiences. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be listening back to this show, you know, rewinding, taking down notes. I want to thank everyone for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like the show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. All the links from today's show will be up on my website at reedgoosens.com. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Bye.